Welcome back God to the man. final. Is that Albert Einstein? <laughs> I decided to join you to tell you the physics of planes, which I invented. Ah, I invented wind. <laughs> Jesus, oh, he's Jesus. on fire. We got a good one. What's everybody? Uh, Welcome to interview. Wind. Fuck you, Tim. We're hosting now. It's the asshole. God. I, I said this to Nick a couple days ago, but uh, I, I was uh, ordering some food from Seamless, and the, the picture of the delivery guy was the sure. fucking Einstein. Nice. Yeah. Like, hung out. I'm just like, Jesus. Were you talking about Popeye Spicy Chicken? It, uh, it was. It was. Yeah, I knew it was. I knew you. Yeah. Chasing me down. Chasing me down. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the final Christopher Nolan <gasps> in review. Uh, for now, Tenet's going to come out eventually whenever it comes out. And we definitely will be reviewing it. I'm very, very, very excited for it. Uh, but until then, we're talking about Dunkirk. This show happens every Tuesday right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. And every Friday as well. Uh, we're wrapping up Nolan. At the end of this episode, we're going to tease what's going to start happening on Tuesdays for Ooh. the next bunch of weeks. Um, but Friday... Studio Ghibli Miyazaki in review rolls on. We're continuing this week. We got Princess Mononoke coming up on Friday. Very excited for that one. I've never seen it. Um, but you can watch the show live on Twitch. You can watch it later on YouTube.com slash kind of funny or roosterteeth.com. If you want to listen to it, search your favorite podcast service for every movie reviewed and ranked and we'll be there. And we really appreciate your support over there on the podcast services. Thank you very much. We've seen a huge uptick in you guys going on podcast services since uh, last week. We started actually tweeting out links to promote the audio versions as well. So thank you very much for going over there, subscribing, leaving your good reviews. It helps us more than you'll ever know. Um, to help us even more than that, though, you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny to uh, give us money. And then we'll give you cool things like shouting you out, Muhammad Muhammad, for being our Patreon producer. And also you get the show ad free. So that's nice, too. Today. We are talking about Dunkirk, released on July 21st, 2017. Uh, once again, directed by Christopher Nolan. This is the third Christopher Nolan movie to be written entirely by him. The others were following and Inception. Uh, Memento was based on a short story by his brother, Jonathan Nolan. Dark Knight and The Prestige and Dark Knight Rises and Interstellar were all co-written by Jonathan Nolan. And Batman Begins was co-written by David S. Goyer, Greg's Goyer. favorite person. Uh, Christopher Nolan's only uncredited written movie is Insomnia, which Nolan wrote the final shooting script for only. So that's kind of interesting. Very interesting. Didn't know that. Didn't know that. Uh, music, once again, done by Hans Zimmer. Uh, for the sound design of the movie, Christopher Nolan used a shepherd tone in which, it, in which ascending notes are subtly cycled to give the impression of never-ending rise in pitch. Also, he wanted to write the script by obeying this principle so that the audience could braid together three storylines and they continually rise in anxiety intensity. So as one storyline's peaking, the other one's still to be built, and the third is entering the last phase. Mm. He's always thinking fourth-dimensionally. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you That's mean. The dimension of time and love. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> gravity and love, isn't it? Gravity and love? It's everything. It's everything. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, gravity of... in it. It's time, though, right? Gravity transcends the dimensions is how I understood it. Time and love, man. If you toss a peach off Mount Everest, it's going to pop up in the fucking ozone layer. You know what the I mean? fucking ozone layer. A budget of $150 million, a box office of $527 million. Uh, a runtime of one hour and 46 minutes. Thank It's fast. God. It's brief. Uh, at one hour and 46 brief. minutes, this is Nolan's shortest movie since his debut following. This yeah. is also over an hour shorter than Interstellar. Uh, it was made from a 76-page screenplay. In fact, Christopher Nolan originally intended to make an improvised movie. There's very wow. little dialogue in this compared to most movies. I, I mean, this movie to me, I was actually kind of dreading watching it again because I remember the I, I saw it the first time in IMAX and it was stunning. But it's definitely a movie that's more of an experience than it is a plot-driven, character-driven narrative. And obviously, that's what he set out to do, right? He just kind of wanted to, similar to like Saving Private Ryan, he just wanted you to feel what it was like to be on that beach and not be able to escape. And I think he really nailed that. And I think that it's it's so fascinating too because the only the, the notable people in this movie that I recognize Scarecrow. are um, Sca Killian Murphy's in it. Um, which is obviously coming back. Bane's in it. Tom Hardy's in it. Um, and Kenneth Branagh's in it. But they don't really, you don't really have a sense of, I guess Kenneth Branagh, you kind of get, you're like, okay, he's obviously leading the forces. But they all just sort of play these sort of um, amalgamations of who these people would have been. So Tom Hardy is the the Air Force guy, the fighter pilot. You've got, I think, the, I, I don't even know the actor's name that plays the foot trooper that's trying to escape the entire time. Because um, I don't recognize Quiet him at boy. all. But it, what's that? Quiet boy. Quiet. 
quiet boy. Um, and then obviously Kenneth Branagh is like, hey, we, I represent sort of like the generals who are trying desperately to get or, or rather the admirals, I should say, because he's probably naval um, to try to desperately get these people off this island. Um, and it's just to me, I was like I was dreading it at first. And even last time I was like, oh, man, should I rewatch it? Because maybe I could just get away without watching this one again. But I'm so glad I did. It's it's fast. It goes by very quickly, but the 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 scenes, the way they're put together, are just so fascinating, and it's beautifully shot. And it's just, there's just moments like the one that stands out to me is just that last moment where Tom Hardy is just flying high, and he's his engines are gone because he's out of fuel. It's just and quiet. Everyone's just looking up, and it's just quiet, and he just opens yeah. up his cockpit for a second, and, just, and then you think to yourself, just turn around and land on the beach behind the rest of the troops, get out and get in line, or or Why land, or land in the or land in the water. In, like near the ships and swim Whoa. to a ship like your friend did and open the 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 thing. Canopy. There were well, the, the water landing Canopy. is dangerous. Sure, is more dangerous but so is getting copies. caught behind enemy lines. Yeah, I just thought it was, I just thought it was like, like he goes he goes by once and then he comes back and I'm like, can you not just right there kind of curve around and land right behind the guys? Now I understand no, like if you do, you don't want to land in the water because you don't want to put a plane in the water for boats trying to get out, it might be dangerous you also don't want to crash and literally just kill everybody yeah it's a captain america kind of problem it's the first avenger kind of problem you know what i mean plenty of ways you could have done this but this is how you chose to do it now you're frozen in ice beach peggy's dead huge you know but i think it was obviously obviously metaphorical right the idea of like the sacrifice they has to make and that wonderful moment where he's like he has to burn his own plane he just waits for the enemy troops to come get him i don't that wasn't based on anyone in reality i don't think that i know of it's more just sort of like this is this is thematically what we these guys these soldiers had to go through and these air force and crewmen had to go through to get these men off this beach and you do feel it like the I'll never forget how claustrophobic that scene is where they're the guy's like I'm staying outside he's like why is he out there he's like he's, he wants a easy way to escape in case we get torpedoed and guess what happens he gets fucking torpedoed and Dude, the guys when, he saw, like, when he saw that torpedo coming out I was like oh fuck like I like literally was like oh fuck oh fuck like how Wait. scary is that thing slow moving torpedo that's just you can't stop it you're like ah jump and wrestle it but also uh, he, before before we move on too too much from this uh something i want to say about the the final shot there is uh, i was reading a bunch of interviews from nolan uh about kind of making this movie and like the choices made and it's interesting where he's just like i really wanted this to not be a traditional war movie that has heroes like i didn't i didn't want there to mm-hmm. be moments where it's just like glamorizing it and glorifying stuff he's like but at the end of it it's like we needed a moment of something good so it's like tom hardy had to have that sacrifice and he had to have there had to be a moment at the end of this movie to at least give it a kind of turning point of uh moving to what we get for the final scenes of the the boys kind of coming back yeah yeah um but what's cool about this is so speaking about the narrative structure in premiere magazine christopher nolan stated for the soldiers who embarked in the conflict, the events took place on different temp- temporalities. On land, some stayed one week stuck on the beach. On the water, the events lasted a maximum day. And if you're flying to Dunkirk, the British Spitfires would carry an hour of fuel. To mingle these different versions of history, one had to mix the temp- temporal strata. Hence the complicated structure. Even if the story is very simple, do not repeat it to the studio. It is going to be my most experimental film. And that's an interesting thing where it's like, obviously, in the, the movie, they present that with the title cards. But... Um, you know, each of the, the three different places is the mold over a different one day, one hour, yeah, yeah or hour one, one, one hour together, yeah. uh, which is really cool. But like he combined that with trying to just make the movie less about, like I was saying, the hero stuff and more just kind of about like that experience that Nick was talking mm-hmm. about, of like what it's like. And they said that they made a uh, a choice to never see the like German soldiers, like you never actually see the bad guys, right? Like mm-hmm. it's just them dealing with there's gunshots coming at them, there's torpedoes, and there's all the stuff, but like you're always staying just with these characters experiencing yeah. this thing that, that they feel that it never feels like they can overcome because you never actually see what's happening. Like it's yeah, what, pretty it's cool. Impending doom the entire time. And I think, I think they nail that for the most part. I do think that some, the way the narrative is structured can be a skosh confusing at times, specifically for the aerial combat. Cause there's moments where you're like Tom Hardy's going after a bomber and then he hits the bomber, and then we go back in time where he sees the bomber again, but then there's another bomber. So there's moments that it's just kind of confusing to me, and then you see what's happening on, in the water. And I understand why he did it, because I think he wanted you to stay with that person, that one person the entire time and experience what they experienced. And I love how we see you know, we see him and his co-pilot, and his co-pilot goes down, and you see him wave his hand, and like, oh, he's okay. But then when we cut to him like 30 minutes later in the movie, he's not okay. He's trying to get help because he can't get out of the cockpit. But I do wonder if, I mean... I think it would have been interesting and 
probably a lot easier for him just to cut these scenes together like you would normally traditionally edit these scenes. I think it would have added a little bit more to the tension, but I also think it would have shaved off about 20 minutes of the movie. So I don't know if that's necessarily something you want to do. But like it is a little confusing when they get to that little triangle of where the guys are rescuing people off the barge and then Tom Hardy's flying above them. And you're like, wait, we've just jumped back 20 minutes and now we're jumping forward 20 minutes. I don't know. It's kind of weird. And then the Killian Murphy stuff was always weird because you see him really traumatized on the boat, which is a beautiful image where he's just literally sitting on like the, the bow or the stern of the boat and uh, or whatever the back of the boat's called. Sorry. I don't know. The, the ass. Term. They call it the ass of the boat. The asshole of the boat. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's not right. That's the propeller. That's the propeller. He's, he's sitting on screws. <laughs> Wait, you're um, sitting on the propellers? You're on the cusp of the asshole. Isn't the propeller the feet of the boat, right? Because you imagine that they're the ones kicking? No, no. You're thinking of it in the wrong direction. Isn't right? Just think about how a propeller spins and the bubbles that come out. When you fart yeah. in the sure, pool, what happens? Sure. Bubbles come it out. It moves me forward. Okay. All right. Exactly. Yeah. If you were farting in zero G back in interstellar sure. Murph, you'd be all floating around you know? <laughs> so like so they find him on the, the 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 propeller or whatever the ass end of this boat and he's traumatized right he's shell-shocked and they talk about that um but then the, the next time we see him he's totally with it and this it's a flashback he's totally that- with it on the boat and he's like dude guys it's gonna be okay don't worry about it. we're gonna get to-. so i'm like how did he get you have to assume he was on the, one of the other boats that that went down of course but we never get to see his trauma we just see him shell-shocked and it's interesting. I don't know why he would have chosen to do that because I would have liked to have been. I think I would have been more in touch with that character if I had seen what he goes through. Like start shell shocked and then show me where he used to be, and then show me what made him shell shocked. But we don't really get to see that. And then the only other real criticism. Wait, I have hold on. Movie, if I can chime in real quick, sorry. Because yeah. uh, for the record, like this is my first time ever seeing Dunkirk. Didn't see it oh, okay. in in the movie theaters. So. I knew nothing coming into it other than obviously it's Dunkirk and it's a beach and they're all stuck. I didn't realize they would be playing with time the way they were. So I was a complete moron at the point where I was, they're jumping back and forth and I didn't even put it together at first that some of them were in daytime, some of them were in nighttime. Cause some of it's happening like inside of ships. So it was like right. already kind of dark and I wasn't, mm-hmm. but when I saw, yeah, scarecrow all fucked up and, you know, uh, shell shocked. And then I saw him in his, you know, dress blues or whatever out there. And it was like, Oh fuck, I'm a moron. I totally missed the fact we were hopping around, but isn't he on the boat? that uh the other guy quiet boy and french boy come to and then get into and then that gets torpedoed and then that's the boat that goes down and then scarecrow sitting on the the ass of that boat when they pull up in the other boat to get scarecrow so that's what i thought originally but no we see him after those guys escape from the boat they're trying to get on some of the lifeboats and killian murphy's like on that boat he's one of the like oh, lieutenants and he's right. like guys yeah, right. yeah, don't yeah, worry yeah, yeah. he remember he says we'll go to the shore we'll drop these guys off and we'll come back the temperature of the water is fine there's no big current yeah you're right you're right that doesn't end up dragging you're right so i don't know what happened to that's him weird. necessarily that that i mean that's that's one of the minor questions i have um the only real other like that's actually a pretty big question where it's like how is it that he was on like the rescue missions and he either went back out for a rescue and then somehow Got well, presumably, off. because Tim was right, they, they were there for a week. Presumably, that happened maybe on night one or two. He got back on another boat, and then that sank again, and he's just super traumatized. Or it's just, he gets on yeah, he's been, on, yeah, it's that. He's been on the beach getting, you know, they're picking, Shell, out, picking yeah. at him. Yeah, they're, they're dropping bombs on him. I don't think we necessarily need to answer for it. It was just one of the questions I had, and, and it's obviously like you don't necessarily need I'm, answers for all these things. I'm with again, you, though. It's, it's about the experience. I, I'm with you on that one, Nick, of like I think that would have helped if it would have been like if they were – not that they needed to be this on the nose about it, but if we knew that we were seeing him on day one versus then right. when they find him at day you know seven. whatever 14, right. you know, it's, seven, it's yeah, just about a week, right? But I think it's purposely supposed to be designed to do that because you're supposed to be like, we've lost all concept of time and and where we're sure. at because yeah, we're stuck yeah. on this fucking this we're stuck in this moment this like Sounds temporal familiar. you know yeah exactly um yeah, exactly but um the only other thing I, I I thought upon the second time that I was like I wonder if I'll still have this concept was that I just hate all the shit on the um the boat with the dad and the 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 kids Charlie. and the kids line and Charlie I'm like I don't I did not George <laughs> no <laughs> yeah George. I was same the, the conclusions of it's cool i just feel like the the second kid that ends up going blind and then dies like george. Uh, what was it jordy george i think it was his name george george whatever we have to I, go to dunkirk where he was like oh i just want to be in the, oh, newspaper. I be in the paper and it's like well okay cool probably not yeah. like this you know i mean the, the, and that's that was <laughs> it's interesting because, because the movie is very much structured to 
to to sort of have these groups of people that are representative, right? And and that group was the tugba or the the skiff, whatever they called it, was just what were the, that was supposed to represent the civilians that that mobilized and went and were really he- heroic to put themselves in this incredible danger with these small boats to help save people. Um, and I think that comes across, but it also serves as this is the character that's kind of like telling everyone what's going on. Him and Kenneth Branagh are the two characters who are like, here's what's happening, audience on the beach. Here's what's happening on the shore. Let's talk about and they're kind of narrating it. But we dip a little bit into the melodramatic with this kid a couple times. Um, and we dip a little bit into the melodramatic with Kenneth Branagh a couple times where we're like, I don't really need, you know, he has his very dramatic line where he's like, he looks out and he's got a tear in his eye. And, he, and the guy's like, what's that? Like, he wouldn't fucking know that there was like these these ships, these all these civilian ships coming toward him. And Kenneth Branagh just goes home. And you're like, oh, that's yeah. great. We're gonna yeah. win the war, everyone. I'm with Look you at on us. that. Look at uh, us. We're gonna win the war. And then it that definitely last... felt like a, like you messed with Spider Man. You messed with all of us. Yeah. It's like, you messed with one of us. You messed with all of us. There's the moment at the end too, where the two guys are on the train, and he's like, "I'm just so ashamed of us." And the guy's like, "Hey, fucker, here's two beers. We love you." I like that like, moment. Oh, great, we're awesome. I, I felt like that moment was like, you know what? Fucking all right, man. The like it's the just, world it, doesn't it, hate them, or the UK doesn't felt- hate them for failing. It just felt a little designed, and I think the rest of the movie feels like you're actually in that, and it's mm. real. And then there's just this one, these couple moments here and there, where you're like, "Oh, we're watching a movie, and these actors are acting." And I just didn't like that. I specifically love everything that the guy, the first guy we see, who's just trying to take a shit for 20 minutes, and no one will let him <laughs> take a shit. Um, <laughs> that poor guy. I mean, he's just con- he's gonna be constipated forever because once it goes back up in there, Kevin, it's hard it's to get. Stuck. Back. Whoa, oh, I know. It's I difficult. Know. It's difficult, um, especially I, when there's cold water included. I was gonna say that. Uh, one moment that like really confused the hell out of me is when they get into the when the two kids that we're following, one being the French kid and and the other the the British kid, when we they got, we're get, calling them Quiet and Frenchy. Quiet, quiet and, and Frenchy, Frenchy, thank you. When Quiet and Frenchy get no, that's the same kid. Quiet and Frenchy. No, well they're both quiet, but French is the one that's speaking English. I thought Frenchy was quiet because he was they are French. both quiet. They're both very quiet. They both have no lines of dialogue in this. So at the end, you don't know their fucking names, and it's okay, cool. I I have a problem distinguishing faces, and like I felt like that's the the thing too. I I I, you know what? I'll I'll stop you right there and take one. All right, I can't tell any of these fuckers apart. They all look (laughs) the same. Yeah. At the end, they get covered in oil. I literally like, oh fucking jeez. Like I don't even (laughs) y'all have the same haircut and the general build. I don't know what the fuck's happening. Uh, But when they get into that like little blue ship with like twenty other soldiers. Yeah, and they're just kind of taking a nap, and then they start getting shot at. <laughs> what they take? I mean, like, right? There's, there's a, there's You're a doing a good job. Recap. I love it. It's a great recap. But um, I did not realize that, it, like, I guess the tide came in and took the boat out. Yeah. Because, like, they were well, like, they didn't oh. realize that either for a second. Like, oh, really? Right? Yeah, it's when yeah, they start brawling. They they rock the boat enough, and they're like, "Wait, we're floating. We're floating." But it's weird because they get out to sea very fast. Yeah. And that was one of the other things that I'm like, okay, wait, we went from this boat is clearly sinking and should be probably sinking 20 feet offshore. And then they cut and they're in the fucking middle of the Adriatic. They're just they're just there. It's them, a destroyer and five other ships. And you're like, how the hell did they get all the way out there that so quickly? I don't understand how water works, Kevin. I just invented the air. Ah. And then not the Adriatic. What 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 body of water is between the channel? The channel is it the channel? Yeah, the English channel. Yeah, the English channel is the tunnel they built. That's the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So at the sounds- 90th Academy Awards, it received eight nominations, including Best Picture and Best Director, which was Nolan's first Oscar nomination for directing. Wow. Uh, it went on to win for Best Sound Editing, Best Sound Mixing, and Best Film Editing. So Nolan still doesn't have his the big ones yet. Um, I mean, definitely doesn't deserve it for this one. here's my thing with this movie is like it's it's cool you know i I don't really vibe with war movies that much and uh this is the right ones tim it's it's more of that and i'm happy it was an hour 46 minutes i enjoy the experience and like visually it is gorgeous i love how many of the scenes were imax and i I would say 90 percent of the movie is full frame and it is so gorgeous the sound design is terrifying throughout this entire movie both the score and all of the gun sh- sound effects the torpedoes the the use of drowning and like just the sound yeah. of like from nothing to it's so good so so that, that was for you kev that sounded um, gross but I, I gotta say like for this it it reminds me a lot of uh crystal dynamics avengers game where it's just like huh look this is not what i want from this team like I, this is not what I want from a Christopher Nolan movie. So going into it, I'm already kind of like, 
I'm excited for a Christopher Nolan movie. I'm excited for there to be some crazy ass shit going on. It's like, oh, he's making a war movie. It's like, oh man, I'm not really interested in that. Is there going to be some crazy twist? No, it's there, but they're going to play with time a little bit. I'm like, all right, cool. So it's like, at least it's a little bit neat. But for me, I'm like, this is proof that Nolan can do no wrong because he, I left this movie being like, I did enjoy that. So oh, see, yeah, he, he didn't it. even make me enjoy this. But it's like, it is on such a different level than any of the other ones for me. I think, yeah, you, I mean, like, this is obviously personal preference, and I'm not going to sit here. I'm not saying this is very much like when we're reviewing or when I'm reviewing a video game because I don't ever <laughs> review movies. I just yell about them and go away. But, like, I get why, like, this is a beautifully made film. Like, obviously, I understand it's 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 artistic and the sound. And, like, that was the thing of, like, not even paying attention. Like, oh, this is Hans, uh, Hans Zimmer, right? Like, it's just the way it was swelling and going and amplifying the action, all that jazz. But at the end of it, I was just like, oh, man, by far my least favorite one of his things. Like, and it, it, it's, it's again, a personal preference of when I saw the trailers for Dunkirk, you know, it was, oh, man, a new Christopher Nolan movie. It's like, awesome. And then you watch it, and I'm like, oh, is this just a war movie? Like, ah, I'm not going to see it unless somebody says I have to see it. And so I never, ever saw it until we had to see it. I'm and exactly I was like, with I, you. I hope this turns around. My, I hope my first blush impression of the trailer was incorrect. And I watched it, and I was like, no, bit was spot on. And it's like the problem I had, and, you know, Jen and I were talking about it after the fact. Uh, is in, you know she kept saying oh, it, it, she was like this is just war porn like it, 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 my problem was that the conflict itself was the main character and that was impossible for me to get behind or care that much about I wanted to know more I'm I, I want to know the characters and what they're going through and their backstories and their struggles and everybody's life were pitched into orbiting this battle and never having to deal with it else, right? Like, I feel like uh, Georgie, or whatever the hell his name is, the kid who goes blind and dies, he's the one I get the most from, of just like, oh, he wanted to be in the fucking paper. His Pete wasn't good in school. His parents, you know, didn't his teachers didn't expect much of him. At least I got something there from him. Everybody else, like, don't get me wrong, great in-the-moment performances of being terrified. Like, the amount of times I think we were sitting here watching this movie, and I turned to Jen, I was like, oh, my God, can you fucking imagine? Can you imagine, like, when they're, you know, the boat is uh, capsizing and they're sinking and the, you know, after they get hit by the tor- tornado or the so torpedo? Scary. <laughs> On top of everything, there's a tornado at Dunkirk Beach. Uh, and, then, and then, like, yeah, he can't get out of his canopy and, like, trying to beat it with a flare gun. And then, yeah, just even being uh, uh, Bane there at the end, you shoot everybody down and you're just like, all right, cool, I'm fucked now. Like, I get all that and I understand those, but, like, those moments are just moments that I just don't, I have no connection to. Yeah. So like when it's over, I was very much like never going to think about this movie again. Yeah. But that's by design. And, and that's, and that's the thing. And like, I think if, if Nolan heard you say that, he'd probably punch you right in the fucking face. No. Uh, if you heard you say, he probably <laughs> well, like, that was, the, that was the point of the movie was to not necessarily, like Tim was mentioning, like not have one character be the hero character. It was just about experiencing what that, the horror and like the traumatizing effects that would have had on people just having to sit on that beach and wait for either a glimmer of hope of salvation or this massive German army coming right right behind you to kill you like any day now. Why um, and not like that the psychological warfare of like the planes coming in. He was like, why don't they just send the fucking tanks? And the guy's like, why use tanks? They can just send three planes every hour and terrorize us and just pick us off one by one. Yeah, it's it's interesting though because it's like they obviously were going for a thing of these are all faceless armies, like these are all just dudes. You're not supposed to know them personally, like they're all they're interchangeable and blah blah blah. Like, which one's quiet guy? We don't know. Which one's this? We don't know because they do look so similar. But it's like they nailed it. That's the point. But I don't enjoy that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Like that, exactly. That's, that's the thing. Is like well, they definitely he is... nailed what he was going for. It's just yeah. like personally, not for me. I, yeah, I just I don't think this was a movie that he made for people to be like that was the most enjoyable two hours of my life. I think he really wanted you to feel it, get in, experience it, and then have it be have it like move you and be thought. I hear you, and I understand. This is not that, meant to be watched that. over and over again, like like you know Interstellar, where you're like, like Porco Rosso, or oh, I, yeah, but that's I, a classic I feel like right there. I understand all that, and I get it, but I feel like that's got its own place, and that's at the museum when I go there and get sure. that kind of thing. Sure. It's not when I want to when I'm watching a movie and we're trying to you know rate and review every one of his movies. I, I don't think it stands on its legs that way in terms of a narrative structure. I get again what he's going for. I'm right yeah, there with him, right? 100%. I get this. I understand it. If you're into wars and battles and stuff like i get why you're into too i mean you're talking to somebody who like also like saw saving private ryan and just forgot all about it i mean i remember oh. matt damon's old at the end right like it's just i don't connect with that kind of thing i didn't, could never get into band of brothers yada yada all this goes yeah. on like so for this just to be that straight thing i'm like i get it that's cool that's not what back to tim it's it's crystal dynamics and avengers it's not what i want from you like if i was putting yeah. putting down on paper what i'd want from him it wouldn't be this 
Um, I do think it's worth noting too that at, at some point in the theaters, I was like, ah, oh, they did a pretty good job casting these kid these 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 air characters to kind of look alike, and I don't really know any of them, and I'm just really immersed in this. And then Harry Styles pops on screen, and I'm like, is that the fucking guy from One Direction? And he's got great hair. And if Andy were here, we'd talk about his hair for 15 minutes. But since Andy died, who knows? You know, we don't. We don't. We're never going to talk about it again. But well, do you guys, yeah, guys notice that that was the guy from like one of the kids from One Direction? Well, two things. Say, First off, we haven't addressed why Andy's not here. Andy's not here because the movie was too scary for him, and he doesn't like scary movies. Number two, I have never seen Harry Styles. I don't know what he looks like. Okay, which I, one I was, was he in the say, movie? Quiet, Frenchie, the old captain, the mean one, the one that was mean to Quiet and Frenchie. He was like, "We're we're we're a group here. I don't give a shit. Like we're gonna we're getting home no matter what." So he was the one that was like prodding the guy to get like, you're, outside. You're a German spy, aren't you? Yeah, oh, he's, okay. yeah, he's just one of the guys in, in one of the troops. But I just thought that was so uniquely. Is interesting he the guy who looks like the movie. guy from the Netflix "I Drew Dicks on the Wall" show? Because no, for a second he... I was like, "Is that the Netflix Dick on the Wall guy?" And then just, no. just Google Harry Styles Dunkirk. It like comes up. He's covered in oil. He's well, the guy. Nice. That would be very easy to tell which one he is, Kevin. He's That's the helpful. guy at the end on the train who's like, "Oh, we failed. We failed. We failed." Oh, we yeah, the guy from failed. fucking Dick's out Netflix. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, he he does actually kind of oh, look a little okay, like Jimmy. Okay, yeah, uh, not not Jimmy the one that everybody talks about, the the other kid, right? Wait, who? Who? What the character? Jimmy, Jimmy, whatever. The one who gets like... expelled for drawing dicks on the wall. Yeah, Jimmy Tatro. Yeah, yeah, sure. He kind of looks like Jimmy Tatro a little bit. Really? I'm saying I'm not. I'm not. In don't get me wrong. I did not finish the film thinking white. it was Dick's guy. I'm saying that he looked. I'm saying Tim. first glance. Hold on. Well, that's just the chat, right? I have face first glance. Blindness. I see this fucking guy, and I'm like, that kind of looks like Netflix Dick guy. I mean, he kind of does. Okay, you know what? In that picture, he does kind of look. Thank like you very much. That's all. I'm I, will, I will totally. I'm not give coming you. in telling you he's fucking this clone or anything. I'm just saying, oh, yeah. Dick's guy kind of looks like this guy. I don't I'm know. Saying, one guy Harry Styles. Really uncomfortable. Harry Styles not distracting at all. Uh, if I didn't know it was Harry Styles, I would have. I thought and he totally I, nailed his role, and yeah, I think he blended in with the rest of them. Perfectly. I do think he was a good actor. I do think I, I agree with you 100. It's just for some reason, part of me was like, <laughs> is that the over. watermelon sugar guy? Oh, he sings that song. Yeah. I don't like song. Great. It's, I'm, I'm joking because that song came out after Dunkirk, but still, it's one of those things where I'm like, I saw him and I was like, interesting choice. That was an, to put a pop star in your movie up with no, with faceless, no name people. I don't know why you would but do that. He, but he, he did a good like, job acting. Also, did, the uh, the kid that went blind and is dying is going to be in The Eternals. So maybe we'll Yeah, oh, I thought he At first, I was like, is that Ty Sheraton from the classic movie X Men Apocalypse? But uh, it does no look shit. like that kid. Look, yeah. He looks like yeah, you're right. Him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, that again, that that stuff, and you know, I, I don't, and I hate to say it, I don't know why, but I just for some reason, I don't like that older actor that guy that spiel. He's like always in stuff as he was in uh, Ready Player One as the guy that made the the whole computer simulation thing. Yeah. He was in uh, Bridge of Spies. But he's just been popped up in a bunch of stuff. And for some reason, I'm like, this guy always takes me out of every narrative that he's in. I think he's a good actor, but I think he's more of a character actor. Wait, when who you're was trying he to do something this? like He was the guy that's the the pilot who's like, Charlie, we, got, we have to go to Dunkirk. Remember Killian Murphy's like, turn uh-huh. the fucking ship around. He's like, we have to go, son. He's like There's the younger, like, sexier oh, version oh, of Simon Pegg. No, the, the dad. Wait, the, the, the dad, right? Of the, the other pilot? No, no, not the other pilot. The da- the, the dad, the, the fucking guy was like, you meant captain boat. You said pilot. You meant captain. Sorry, I meant well, but, you pilot a boat too. Yeah, he's he, a captain, actually. Do you really? When they, a pilot is pissed. You, you pilot a boat. If you don't start using the right terminology, you, you get pilot to be a boat, boat, but you don't call it a pilot, right? It's a no. You would call him captain. Sorry, I apologize. But 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 Greg, you are so fucking right. Pilot number two. Tom Hardy's friend, hundred yeah. percent, is sexy Simon Pegg. Before like, he took off the mask, I was like, "That's Simon Pegg." When his movie company popped off, I'm like, "No, but you sound like Simon Pegg, and you just look sexier." And Mr. Pegg, if you're watching, I think you're sexy as well. I'm just saying <laughs> he is sexier than you, and I think you can agree on that. No, the, yeah. the actor I'm talking about is Mark Rylance, and he's yeah. a guy that's just—he's a character actor. He's popped he's up stuff here and there, but yeah, he's gotcha. the dad. yeah, no. When he popped up too, I'm the same thing of like, I know this guy. Where's this fucker from? Yeah. Uh, he was in BFG, Bridge of Spies, Dunkirk, and I think he was in Ready Player One as well. I just, for some reason, I'm like, every time I see that guy, I just think this guy's a character actor that should be in a Spielberg like silly movie, and putting him in here just kind of ruins the narrative for me. Oh, kind of the same see, with I, Kenneth Branagh, where Kenneth Branagh is so Kenneth Branagh, you're like, okay, we're, we're yeah, that's Hamlet right Kenneth there. Branagh. I was I was impressed Kenneth by Branagh. both the, Kenneth Branagh and Mark because I think Mark, I didn't expect him to get as real and serious, and we has that moment where he's like, why are you doing this? And he's like, my fucking kid. Or like you know they dodge the torpedoes or not torpedoes the the missiles bullets the, yeah. yeah oh it's bullets yeah okay uh, and then Kenneth Branagh when like he sees them coming and I know it's a cheesy moment but like his expression of like you can fucking see the relief in his eyes and then when he chooses to stay to help the French 
Like that's I don't know. I like the I felt like the acting in that moment that they both like both the actors had were real strong. Kenneth yeah, Branagh I mean, is I just, a name I, I've heard about fourteen times in my entire life. It, up until today, and now I've heard it twenty eight times in this one podcast. But I'm I'm, I'm excited well, that I finally it. know whose name or face connects to this. But I just haven't seen him kid, in anything. You remember the little kid from what was it? The Love Actually. Yeah. Ken, he, he, Kenneth Branagh like, looks like what he would have grown up to be. Wow. Does that make sense? First off, the kid's not dead, right? Wasn't no, he just yeah, in Game of Thrones? He's But you know what I'm saying? Like he looks like that little no, Ken- kid looks like he grew up to be Kenneth Branagh. No, he, that Kenneth Branagh has been around for decades as an actor. I remember no, seeing looking through his dad a bunch of movies I missed he, for the most part. He did Hamlet. He also randomly directed Thor One. Which is weird as shit. Uh, they were like, let's get Kenneth Branagh back. They were like, let's not get Kenneth Branagh back. I think he did a great job. That's a, he, I think they wanted him because he's so Shakespearean. He's done so many different plays, and he did he he did one of a, a very good version of Hamlet, in my opinion, um, in, in uh, movie form. So they were like, we want a more Shakespearean feel to Thor. And then when we got there, they're like, oh, this is just the wrong feel. We need Taika. We need <laughs> Taika. Taika. We need Taika. Yeah, uh, some fun back. Oh, here. he no was one... loveless in, in in Wild Wild West. Yes, that's <sighs> if Andy remember. hadn't made me turn that off during PSX, maybe I would have known. You would have known. Oh, have you never seen Loveless? I mean, Wild Wild West. No, it got think, really bad was... reviews. So I, I watched the music video a lot, and I was like, "This doesn't." Even it's look a good, fun so. movie. Oh, you're just not good. <laughs> so wrong. I didn't say good. Uh, no one... I didn't say good. Just to be clear, <laughs> no one showed key members of the crew eleven films that inspired him for this movie, and I thought this list was very interesting because it's all over the place. It's a lot of movies. Yeah, like hey, all watch quiet these on the Western movies. Front. All Quiet on the Western Front from 1930. Mm-hmm. The Wages of Fear from 1953. Nick, have you seen either of those? What was the first one? Sorry. All Quiet on the Western Front. No, never seen either of those. I, had to I was that. supposed to read that book in high school. school. Did not yeah. like it. I You're think I watched that. Tim, did, did I watch it? that in in your film class with you? No, not that one. Okay. That was a Birth of a Nation that you watched. Anyways, I don't think it uh, was. Wages of Fear. It was. Uh, Alien, 1979. Mm. Which you can kind of see it. The claustrophobic mm-hmm. nature mm-hmm. of it. Sure. Sure. Speed. In 1994. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you're making any movie, a great touchstone for anything you're trying to make is <laughs> just watch the speed. seminal film Speed. Guys, we're making a drama about two couple, a couple that's breaking up. You know what I think we should watch, guys? Speed. Speed. Because the dynamic between him and the guy from Arachnophobia is so heartbreaking. It's really good. Jeff Daniels. I couldn't remember his name for a second. God, I had no idea where that was going. I lost Fuck, that part for him. Sorry. I'm sorry. I lost that part for you. Unstoppable. <laughs> Why'd you grab Jeff Daniels? Because they, that was the, the relationship they had where he was like, they like shoot the hostage. Shoot the hostage yeah. He was like, you fucking shot me, man. He's like, I had to shoot the hostage. And to this day, I'm like, I don't understand what shooting the hostage accomplishes. It scares the bad guy. Well, it's terrifying. <laughs> the bad guy's like, <laughs> oh, my God, I'm going to shit about this person. That's how you stop the grabber cold. Yeah, exactly. Grabber's trying to grab a kid off the streets. You shoot the kid? You shoot another kid. <laughs> I'll shoot this fucking kid. I'll shoot that kid. I'll be back every fucking kid. I'll shoot every fucking kid on the street. Stogie. God damn it. Here goes the top Unstoppable in 2010. Greed in 1924. Sunrise in 1927. Ryan's Daughter from 1970. The Battle of Algiers in 1966. Chariots of Fire from 81. And Foreign Correspondent in 1940. The interesting about this, only two of those are war movies. I'll tell you what, if he may, if, if you're like to Nick, we're working on this awesome YouTube video where I want you to watch all these movies. I'm like, this is going to be a fucking boring YouTube video. <laughs> these movies. <laughs> I was like, I'd be like, I don't know what the hell Tim's doing, but with the exception of speed, I don't want to watch any of those movies. I don't want to watch any of these fucking movies. <laughs> oh my fucking god and you would uh, be right you would be right uh, some more facts for you here in the sequence where the spitfire ditches into the english channel an imax camera was strapped into the cockpit to film collins trying to get out however during filming the plane with the camera still inside sank quicker than predicted it took so long to retrieve the retrieve the plane that the IMAX camera housing filled with water, potentially ruining the expensive camera and film inside. Nolan used an old movie technique of keeping the film wet and shipped it back to Los Angeles, getting it processed before it dried out. 
That oh. take is the scene they used in the movie. Wow. wow. So that's that's, really that's cool. fucking cool. And then uh, the end credits state that 12 of the original little ships that participated in the Dunkirk evacuation appear in the movie, reenacting their presence in 1940. Oh, that's, that's cool. cool as fuck. That's really cool. Uh, the movie was shot on the actual beach at Dunkirk where the evacuation took place. When scouting for the movie, Christopher Nolan found a button from an English soldier's uniform in the sand. That's so crazy. Scary. Yeah. I, cool I'll say scary. some of my, fa- my, my favorite stuff in this movie uh, and and the things that I think is just so cool is the aerial photography and I and I love 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 the casual calm back and forth between Tom Hardy and the other pilot where yeah. as the pilot's mm-hmm. going down he's like he's like bail out and he goes no I'm too low or whatever I'm gonna he's like the sea looks calm enough I'm gonna try to ditch in the sea and as he's getting low he, Tom Hardy just says best of luck yeah, best yeah. of luck to you where it's not like so cool. hope also, you're okay but it's just like I gotta keep going and it's fucking it's just so low key badass there's yeah. And, there's a moment where he's like when they first I mean I'll never forget there's a moment where they when they first encounter the the, the first uh, bunch of fight German fighters and the guy and the first guy's like he's on me and Tom Hardy goes I'm on him I'm on him he's on you I'm on him such a cool cool. line delivery uh but there's also the the moment where they're like uh where is the fourth leader one or whatever his name was and they're like oh he's just gone he's gone he looks around like I'm gonna do a circle Uh, yeah no he died he's died yeah Uh, when sexy Simon Pegg like crashes into the the water, he's so, <laughs> when it cuts to him, he's so calm. Like the yeah. the ship or the the plane is like kind of like about to drown him, and he's just like super chill, super calm. He's like, and I'm like, damn, this is fucking cool. Like you are so you got this. But then he starts banging it, and it doesn't open. He's just like, oh, fuck. and then he starts panicking. Yeah. Why does he and, close like, it? It's moments like that that this movie I think really achieves what it's trying to which is like making you feel empathy for the character and like that sense of fear and tension and stuff that like at a moment's notice can can flip like mm-hmm. every time this movie makes the characters feel safe for a second something happens to like fuck it all up in a way that feels earned i think and uh really kind of puts you in their place but like there's the scenes of every time a ship is capsizing the way that they shoot it where it's often at like an angle and the water like divides the frame in like a diagonal mm-hmm. and just the idea like trying to understand where the people are in relation to the ship that's falling that might crush them um mm-hmm. or drown them or whatever it's like there's just so many unique cinematic uh approaches they that they used in this that i i, I was constantly wowed that even if i was bored to fucking tears by this movie uh from the plot of it i was like super engaged the entire time and i think mm-hmm. that is a testament to you know sometimes these 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 experiential movies kind of like can can keep you engaged even when it's subject matter you don't care about and uh there's not really characters that you can root for yeah i mean for me for me seeing this in um, on my tv was far and away like the worst experience to watch it you have like watching this in imax was unbelievable and it's largely because of all the uh the cinematography in this and it's interesting because i think on this one in interstellar he changed cinematographers he wasn't working with wally feister anymore he's working with hoyt van hoytema who is uh, a really really good cinematographer and i don't know why they had that they stopped working together i assume maybe it was scheduling but i know wally wanted to be a director at some point and did transcendence and that movie did not do well so maybe he was just like i don't want to work anymore but um, you doing tenet I'll look it up. I think it's probably Hoyt. I think he tends to work with the same guy, but uh, I just think like the, the aerial stuff, those moments were so cool. And you walk out of that IMAX and you're like, wow, you really do feel like you're on there. That's but again, in, in perfectly in perfect Nolan fashion, I don't think he directed this movie to watch on an iPhone. I think he really wanted everyone to go like sit. Cause once you, by the way, when you're in the theater and you can't pause the movie and you can't really get away from it and you can't look at your phone, it's so much more tense then when I watched it last night and I paused to go like get a cup like get a cup of water or whatever and bring it back and relax and like answering on my phone. So like I think those movies it's unfortunate that you guys didn't see these in the theaters because you did yourself a disservice. But Oh I did, baby. Oh you did? Okay. Well no no here. Oh you saw it in your theater, yeah. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And it was awesome. Yeah. Fucking Wait, awesome. you didn't watch I the really actual wish. theaters too? I thought you had seen this Mm-mm. one. I've never seen it. Gotta go one. back to Dunkirk. I would not want to watch this again. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to the fact that like like warfare is was so much different back then. I'm just looking at pictures of uh, Jack Loden, who is the sexy Simon Pegg, after yeah. he got out of the plane, and he's in like a full suit. Like yeah, when the guys, tie. yeah, when like when they get in, they would put like the suit and tie on, and then put the stuff over it with all the. And I'm just like, they were gentlemen back then. Royal Air Force man. And I, I um, love that part where he's walking off the dock or whatever, and the guy's like, "Where were you?" It's like, and then like, Fuck you know, you. I would have been like, "Fuck you, dude!" <laughs> I got shot down, almost drowned, and I'm probably gonna have to get back in a plane and go back out there again. Yeah, 
So FYI, uh, motherfucker. The time, the time warrior in the chat says, anyone else ca catch Michael Caine's voice cameo near the beginning of the film? I totally did. And I was like, is that Michael Caine? And uh, Andy and Gio are just like, like they thought I was like just joking. And I was like, damn, am I like super racist with this accent shit? Like, am I just like assuming <laughs> it's Michael Caine? And we looked into it. It was totally fucking Michael where, Caine. Where, 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 where's, where's his voice? The, the guy um, that was talking to Tom Hardy, when we first see Tom Hardy in the plane, and he's like talking yeah. to someone on the um, okay. radio. Yeah. It's Michael okay. Caine. Wow. That's cool. I love how yeah. uh, Christopher Nolan can just text Michael Caine and be like, hey, man, we're doing this live hey, show. Can we just get you to do the countdown like 10, 9, 8, <laughs> 7, 6, 4? He's, like their, he's their Dave Fenoy. He's our Dave. Yeah, he's their Dave Fenoy. I love that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like uh, obviously like Nolan going back to Tenet is going to be a kind of return to form where he's doing a little bit more sci-fi and having some fun and, and it being a little bit more up his alley. But this one, I think, was just a deeply personal film for him. Similar to how I think um, I forget who did 1917. But that I know. I don't know if you guys ever saw that, but it was no. a similar film. It was another war film, obviously about World War One, not World War Two, um, and it was fucking crazy and really, really yeah. intense. Nineteen seventeen, um, one of Deacons, the best war films. That oh, no, Deacon's. I... Oh, Deacon shot Tenant or Deacon's? No, no Roger Deacon's directed nineteen seventeen. No, he would have no. shot nineteen seventeen. He's a cinematographer. I think who directed it, it was. It was someone else. It was. Oh shit! I fucked up. <laughs> totally type cinematographer. Uh, I, I want to say who directed it was. Oh, Sam, oh Mendes. Sam Mendes. Yeah. Sam Mendes. Right. And like his and obviously Sam like great-grandfather was involved. Yeah. yeah. So you see those movies and you, you you can obviously tell these are like deeply personal films for these guys. But, you know, Tenet, I assume, will be significantly more zany and obviously plays with time because we can see that in the trailers. Our shit's running backward. So that's going to be really fun. It's a palindrome. Uh, everything's a palindrome. It's like <gasps> a palindrome. Is it a I, don't, I don't have any fun uh, segue for it. But, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you that this episode <laughs> is brought to you by Manscaped. Oh. 2020 has been the year of things happening that are completely out of your control, but there's one thing you can control, and that's shaving your bush. <laughs> yeah, you can. They wrote that. They wrote that. Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to remind you to do so. Uh, the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. Uh, their ceramic blade and skin safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tags on your fellas down below. Uh, the Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof. It comes with an LED light. So you can manscape in the shower, in the dark, or in a dark shower. <laughs> Whatever floats your boat. God bless these guys. You know what I mean? They are just, they're doing great work here. On the website, you also find the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Andy loves it. He swears by the Crop, pres crop Preserver. Um, I've been, I manscaped recently using oh. Manscaped, using this lawnmower 3.0, and I'm feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty How many nicks did you get? No nicks. No, you nicks. got one neck right here, buddy. <laughs> I'll always be by your side. I'll help you, can, you too. I don't care if it's dark at all. We'll feel around. You can go to manscaped.com and check out some of the life-changing products. In fact, you guys can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code MORNING at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code MORNING. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns and shaving by shaving that front trunk. <laughs> manscaped.com. Use the code MORNING. Uh, next up, shout out to ExpressVPN. Have you ever watched The Office? I have recently. If you have, you probably know it's based on a UK series also called The Office. But what if I told you there are nine other countries with their own versions of The Office that you've never seen? Well, you probably didn't know about them because you're usually not able to get them in your country. But now you can access them with no geo restrictions when you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from nearly 100 different countries, giving you access to content that isn't available in your region. Uh, if you like watching shows or movies, ExpressVPN is a must-have. It's a great option uh, to expand the libraries of the content that you can watch in a time that most people are watching more content than ever. Uh, couldn't be easier to use. You just fire up the ExpressVPN app on your computer or TV, select a location, you hit connect. Boom. Yeah, done. Uh, to get the most out of your streaming services today at ExpressVPN, uh, or go to expressvpn.com slash kind of funny. If you use this link, you'll get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Again, that's expressvpn.com slash kind of funny. Expressvpn.com slash kind of funny to learn more. Hello. 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 Are we in reviewing still? We are interviewing. Oh, okay. Is the review in us? It is. It is. It's tough because there's not obviously like going through the plot of this. This is not not necessarily makes sense, but I, the movie, just the way it starts, 
is so weird. And I realized that when I watched this the first time, I was like, oh, I think I missed the first three minutes of this movie. Because so I thought it like I thought we like saw these guys. It doesn't. It just starts and they're like, oh, they're dropping stuff on us. And then the guy's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, oh. and then and then there's that intense, intense scene where he's going getting to the line. And then just gets to the beach and there's all that foam. And you're like, where's this foam coming from? Foam's so gross. It's that gross, gross. foam too. I hate that the ocean can be poop. awesome like in like Florida. And then it can be Garbo and Dunkirk. You know what I mean? Fucking get I mean, it together, Ocean. Nobody people, wants gray ass like foam. No one in France has ever surfed because of that, because of that right sure. there. Because of that weird sea foam. Gets you. Wow. Changes the color of your skin. Right. Right. In the end, Andrianic. No, I said Adriatic. I don't know why I said Adriatic. Are you, what no, were we talking it, it about? Was, oh, you know why? Because it was Porco Rosso was in yeah, the Adriatic. That's yeah, why. yeah, yeah. It's Porco Rosso. That's, that's the sea between Italy and Greece, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, similar stuff. Watching Porco know. Rosso and this like so closely together, <laughs> I was just like, man, there's there's a lot of like aviation stuff going on. A lot of flipperoos. I was expecting to see a dope barrel roll or something in you this. Can't do barrel. No, you don't do it. Yeah. Too real. I, just, I, I love that he gets shot and he has to do like the time. And the and the fuel usage. That's yeah, that was so cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. I like that a lot. I can't really calculate it because the second you have to fly higher, you need more fuel to get up there, and it's like faster you fly, like all that stuff eats fuel. So he's just like, oh, I think I have enough. I don't really know. Really yeah, it was beautiful. It's crazy that like he was like so early on. He was like, all right, well, I'm not flying back. So I'll figure something else on because yeah. right because he he would have had to fly back w- when they. When he hit reserves, probably. No, even before imagine, that. Right? Well, I remember reserve. when the gas gauge got shot, he was like, yeah, shouldn't you should turn around? around. Yeah. yeah, and he's, he's like, like no, nah, nah, be fine. got a job to do. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he has 50, he has like 50 gallons of fuel still. And then there's that moment after the other guy gets shot down. He tells, as he's going down, he's like, hey, your fuel reserve's at 15, by the way. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Which, by the way, is the fucking coolest thing you pop. They're having a casual conversation as the other guy is going getting down. ready to ditch into the ocean. And it's yeah. terrifying. Um, but I like, by the way, he goes, and that's so fascinating because literally he's like bail out and the guy goes, okay. And opens up the canopy and then starts to get out. And you're like, nah, he's like, nah, you know what? The, the like, ocean looks nah, calm. It's, it's safer just to, just to get land the plane on the ocean. But like, think that about that weird. for a second. You get shot in a plane and you go, cool. I got a, I got no choice. This thing's going down. So you open the canopy, take off your seatbelt and just jump out of the fucking plane. <laughs> like, that's crazy. Like, is that what the thing was? Because like, yeah, I don't and, think and this, there was an eject process that, that. This is my ignorance to to planes and like the time and stuff. Uh, but like, when were ejector seats a thing? Because that's how people that's nowadays like get out, right? War too. But yeah, but yeah. they're flying a lot higher too, so they have more time for their parachute to open up, right? Got it. Okay. Yeah, and that's and that's why I think too. Part of that may have been he looked down and was just like, I don't have enough. I don't have enough space to actually pop oh. the chute without slamming into the water. I don't know. I mean, I think you'd have to get out, and I don't even know how those shoots used to work because they were just like they were those the canopy shoots that didn't have any, like you didn't have any control over them. They didn't have start putting like these things into the shoots until like after World War II. That's why so many people when they got dropped in for D Day just fucking like wound up in trees and shit because you're like, Jesus. well, I guess I'm just gonna be here. You ever watch Band of Brothers? That that's like how that starts. Where I thought you were gonna go in. Operation Dumbo Drop. Oh, that was great too. Yeah, that was great too. No but at that point, either. they had they had better shoots. But I guess when you're parachuting a an elephant out of a plane you have to figure some shit out but those things were just those moments were just so casually terrifying for, to me watching this and like it's a good way to put it yeah it's just and, and tom hardy shout out to him because he doesn't really ever he's his just his whole performance is like here it's yeah, like, let, me, let me just fucking say it shout out to tom hardy I've, i like have never given him real credit because i didn't know who he was until uh Dark Knight Rises, really. Like, I didn't really think of him as an individual a watching uh, Inception when I first watched it. It was just like, oh, you're just an actor or whatever. Uh, but then, of course, we've talked about Bane for so long. We give him so much oh. shit. And then he's Venom, and we give him so much shit. But then it's like, then you see him in all these roles. And I'm like, you know what? I really fucking like Tom Hardy. Oh, I Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. You Tom Hardy's did, great. Man. He's a yeah. phenomenal. He's a he's a really good actor, and he's a good character actor too. He picks fun roles that are that he just appears in. Like he there was he played Capone, I think recently. I think there was another mm-hmm. thing where he played the two brothers that were like these notorious twins. Um, and then obviously the first time I remember seeing him was I just I was like, dude, he's so amazing in Inception as this like weird, charming character that pops in. Um, and then recently, dude, him as Mad Max is just so fucking perfect. He's so good in that role. If yeah. you haven't seen Fury Road, or if you have, watch it again for Christ's sake. It's so good. Uh, Andy wrote his thoughts in to us because he couldn't be here with us today. Dunkirk is eye candy. The score is relentless and the tension was constant. I love the idea and concept of the three planes of action eventually meeting up with each other. I just wish I cared about all three equally. Tom Hardy is the MVP. And yes, 
He totally is the MVP. I think we can all agree on that. Crushed I just it. feel like it was very, very hard to hear him talk. Uh, and it's it's like... Well, no well, let me tell you about a film called Dark Knight Rises and how much fun I, you're going to have watching that no, again. No, I, I feel like this was much harder than Dark, hard, oh, uh, Dark Knight Rises. Like, I, yeah, there well, were moments where like I, I don't normally use subtitles because I think that they're dumb and not uh, essential most times. But I was wrong for this movie where it's like, Everyone wearing one of these guys is just a canyon, and it's like it's just well, ADR, you know. You think? Yeah, well, I feel dumb. like he has such a he has such what? a commitment to to capturing stuff in camera and capturing the performances there. And to be fair, when you're directing, you want you know you try your best to get the performances day of and not have to do ADR because a lot of people don't like doing it. A lot of actors hate it because it kills the performance. But with Dark Knight specifically, like uh, uh, you guys remember seeing that footage of the original trailer before they did ADR, and everyone's like. What is he saying? We can't understand what he's saying in that first scene. But they um, did the I like ADR. That didn't do it. You know what I mean? They What's redid. Well, they redid it. They had to. Yeah, they had to because it was so jumbled. But I feel like for this movie, they chose not to, and it's like it to its detriment. Where it's like, yeah, that was one of the coolest parts of this movie, like the, the aerial combat. But yeah. like so well, much of it, I did not understand what they were saying. Unless when I watched it in on. theaters, I didn't have an issue with it. Watching oh, really? it back here, I did have to turn it up a little bit and see what was going on. Um, but in theaters, it was it was crystal clear, and you feel like you're in that cockpit with him. And I love just the actual the sound that that muffled like radio voice sound that they kept him with the entire time. I also love that he has no other dialogue other than that. That is just he's just the airman. I hear him. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because I think it's very different than Dark Knight because of the type of movie it is and it being such an experience type thing where like I I feel like not understanding what he's saying is kind of part of the vibe. I mm-hmm. use subtitles so it didn't affect me because like I see what he's saying. Uh, didn't mean I wasn't still confused with what he's saying because I didn't know what he was talking about ninety percent of the time. But <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that uh, it, I like I enjoyed the sound of it even if it wasn't necessarily understanding the dialogue because mm-hmm. I don't think it's really about the dialogue. It is more about the. Well, I, I think that there are some very crucial moments, like them deciding to keep going, and like him being like, "No, like I can make it. It's fine." Like I think yeah. it's just this, you know, the 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 gauge uh, that like I had to. Well, like I just happen to have the subtitles on. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's do a little haiku and review, guys. You know, seven Great. syllables in the middle. We got five for the first and last line. If you're not poetic, no need to sweat it. I'll five uh, hide to haiku. In haiku. Everybody, I almost got there, guys. Dude, you almost got there, and I couldn't remember the last bit. And it was a colossal failure at the end, but it was a funny one. Hey man, hey man, hey man, hey man, hey man, hey. You can go to Patreon.com/slash Kind of Funny to write your reviews in haiku form, just like Bryce Dotrady did. On the beach, they wait. To cross the Strait of Dover, brave and scared, helpless. I appreciate you trying to get all poetic there. Mm-hmm. Zade Wilson says, my anxiety sure does not like this movie. Epic ending, though. Cass Colk says, Jesus Christ, Nolan, why is this movie so loud? Still killing <laughs> it, though. It is a very, very loud movie. He likes it. Oh, Lord. I Andrew thought the Fassner. loudness made sense in this one, though. Because it was like totally. explosions and gunshots that would come out of nowhere. That's, uh, yeah. Andrew Feisner says, Flyers from the sky. Soldiers are just passing by. One need go kiki. <laughs> that poor guy was just like, I poop somewhere. Just take a poop. I'm like, you got, a, you got like at least a week here on this beach. Just dig a hole. Let's go, buddy. And then just wipe the butt in the sand. <laughs> and then the last one from Brian Smith. Tick, tick goes the clock. Are they all fucked on that dock? Flyboy Tom on lock. Flyboy Tom. Nailing it there. Uh, let's do a little red goo 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 goo. Ragu. Goo goo. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Rad Guys Talk Good Guys here for the Nolan universe. Right now, we are ranking all the protagonists in the Nolan movies. Number one, we got All Right, All Right, All Right from Interstellar. Number two is Batman and Wolverine from The Prestige. Number three is Give Me One of Those Cobb Salads and an Iced Tea for Lunch from Inception. Uh, Lenny from Memento is number four. Hua is number five from Insomnia. And the just sperm. From the following, Jesus he's just so fuck. young. You oh my god, that. he's so young at this point. You've gone too far. You have to read young man. Seminal fluid from a young thing. God, following. thank God, this is the last one for now. It's just so young. Where do we want to? I don't even know who who's the main That's character. The problem. Yeah, Let's put Harry Styles. We'll just say Harry. What are you? What are you gonna do? 
Let's say watermelon sugar is the name is the main character. From watermelon sugar goes dead last then because watermelon yeah. sugar encompasses five different people, maybe more. They all look alike. I can't tell which British boy <laughs> talking to me. Perfect. We'll just say watermelon sugar from Dunkirk. Watermelon sugar seven. low. There it is. Low, 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 so low. All right. Um, give me one sec, you guys. I'll I'm give you all the sex you want. Something. You're gonna have two. Chris Brother, enjoy your seconds of time to read. Oh, Batman. Kevin and I. In the chat, I'm seeing her child say, Drats, mine didn't get red. So I went back to try to find it. And there's a B her here. So I'm assuming it's you. So I'm going to read yours. TikTok, Dunkirk clock, all the soldiers on the dock, scarecrows, got shell shock. That's really good. That's really good. It is. Yep, that's her. Him. Me. Perfect. I don't know. All of them. Her, her child. You know what I'm saying? Yes. H-E-R-R, her. Exactly. Um, now it is time to rank the movies. Currently, the Nolan movie stand. Number one, Interstellar. Number two, Inception. Number three, The Prestige. Number four, Memento. Number five, Following. Number six, Insomnia. Deadline. Andy says he puts it number four. So he puts it under Prestige, above Memento. Interesting. I would I actually... Put it, Put in the same place that Andy just put it. That's what makes the most sense. Because like, there are aspects of this movie that I, I did enjoy. And I wouldn't be opposed to watching it again. I'm struggling between dead last or second to last. My thing but, about it is this, Tim. I feel like we left following. Following is last, right? Mm-hmm. Or is it hoo-ha? hoo-ha? Insomnia is last. Insomnia, oh, I like following right. a lot. Yeah, no, no. I like following too. I don't, well, that, and that's the thing here. Is I, I, for most of these... If not all, they're good movies, right? Where I mean, we're not gonna like. Yeah. This isn't like when we're at the bottom of the fucking DCEU. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, no, no, no. a bunch of stinkers. Which turd do you want to eat now, Kevin? Open your mouth. It's a turd. Uh, I, I put this one dead last because I think we had. I think there was more. I had more interesting post movie watching conversations about insomnia in every movie up the list from there on out. Where I left that movie like, oh man, I'm engaged and that was thought provoking and I want to talk about this and that choice and that, but that. Whereas this one, I think, is just like. Here's the stuff that happens. It was horrific, obviously, and we're done. And we're on to the next thing, and mm. let's move on. You're in a boy. We can't tell the characters apart, and this seems a little overacted, and this, that, and this is... Uh. Yeah, I guess I'd put it as the second to last because I feel like both of these suffer from, for me, not feeling like Nolan movies, but this does feel more like a Nolan movie than Insomnia. Um, whereas, yeah, like, if, you were, if I were to look okay, at all of them and be fair. like, that's fair. which that's of these movies did Nolan not direct... I would say insomnia where it's like, okay. this has ele- enough elements. And there, I mean, this movie's well done. It's just not for me. Yeah. So it's like, I'll, I'll put it there. You know what? That's a fair assessment. You've changed my mind. I'll vote in, uh, second to dead last as well, too. Yeah. I think, Nick, I'm with you guys on this too. I think I'm with you guys on this. I think that um, insomnia is just such an interesting, like he, he kind of feels like a director for hire in that. Um, whereas this one felt yeah. like it was a, a little bit more of a personal film and an iteration and evolution of an interstellar and some of his other past works. And obviously the most straightforward, and, and non-plot, you know, driven movie that he's ever made, which is the only reason why I would rank it a little bit like lower down the list. I think it's a phenomenally well-made movie. I think it's phenomenally acted. Any small critiques we have of it are just that we're doing that for the show. Um, but it doesn't smack of a Nolan film. To me, a Nolan film is something that really kind of comes at, a, at something from a unique angle, has some interesting sci-fi elements to it, makes you think, you know, it has something to it more than just this, which was just experiential, and that's totally fine. It's not. It's not a knock against the movie itself. It just doesn't feel like uh, if you're if you're ranking those in the Nolan list, it should not be that high up on it, in my opinion. So I would say number two or second to last. Uh, I mean, with that though, Nick, I, I'm challenging you. Uh, following a Memento, because right now Kevin and Andy both have it under Prestige above Memento, but you think that this is still even behind Following? Well, the thing is, like, I think following is is like it, to me is like the quintessential beginning of the Nolan style. This one just breaks with that format. I think it's a way better, like, made film than pretty much almost all of these, except for maybe Interstellar and Inception, just because of the the sheer volume of like and scope of the movie. But um, I could go, yeah, maybe I could put it above following and below Memento. That's probably where I would put it. Following now thinking about it, so I put like third to last, maybe. So yeah, following see. then Insomnia, so Insomnia following then uh, Dunkirk, and then Memento. And then, yeah, that's probably Kev, you're, no way. Memento is better than this. No, yeah, Memento was more interesting than this. Nick, I think that's Memento what, is more interesting. That's what I said. You guys have talked no me out of it. It goes I, right I, below me- Memento. Yeah, right below Memento is where I put it too. Cool. Above so following. That's, that's where it is. That's where it is. 
ladies and gentlemen, the current ranking of the Nolan Universe. Number one, Interstellar. Number two, Inception. Number three, The Prestige. Number four, Memento. Number five, Dunkirk. Number six, Following. Number seven, Insomnia. Uh, one day, we will do Tenet whenever it is available to us in a safe safe way. Um, but before that, we're still going to do the show on Tuesdays. Whoop, whoop. Um, we are going to announce the following two in-review series right now um, with some early early mock-ups one of them the intro is done the other one we just have a a beautiful uh logo made by cameron kennedy but they're working on some fun stuff these are going to be the following tuesdays as studio ghibli continues on fridays let's check it out all right no talking okay mm-hmm. what are you